0: sets that bar to okay they're not perfect maybe I don't have to be perfect either that is such a better place to form those those connections and those friendships from a from a truer place of like this is just life you know like let's just live actual life together even in the the messes or the imperfectness that it brings hi everyone I'm Annika and this is
1: the tried and truth podcast another episode of the Tried and True Podcast. If you're tuning in for the first time, welcome. And if you're joining me in on another conversation, so glad you're back. And I'm just glad you're here for this conversation because today we're sitting down with Shannon Martin and Shannon is amazing. Her work and this conversation typically center around people, meaningful relationships, practical, real life living and food. So I'm all in and I'm glad you're here for it too. She's written three books, which I have to say, if you just read the titles alone, they're amazing, but they're really all written around this central theme of what does it look like to live this life together? And really, why does that even matter? She's so funny and so practical, and I know you're going to find freedom in what she has to share. She's that perfect dose of encouragement and joy amidst whatever messes and imperfections exist in your world right now. Take a listen. Shannon, thank you so much for hanging out with us on the podcast today. I could not be more excited to just be hanging out with you and talking about all the things. <laughs> it's so fun. It's so fun. I'm I'm so happy to be here. So just thrilled that we get to to hang out today. And since I've started the podcast, I guess it's been almost two years now. When I first started it, I said, "Okay, someone that I want to have on is you." <laughs> oh, I love and I that. Had just thank you. Come across your book, Ministry of Ordinary Places, which I know now we're like books down the road, but I had yeah. just read the book and I thought, just what a simply profound book that mm-hmm. I think was something that I needed to hear at the time. And so I'm just excited we get to talk about any book, especially your new book, which is yes. just as fabulous. I'd love for you just to share a little bit about you and your books and where you live and just the gem it is. <laughs> yeah, like the little, I'll give you the little
0: background, the backstory. Um, my family and I live in Goshen, Indiana. So we are way up here on the near the Michigan line, as far north in Indiana as you can go. Um, My husband, Corey, is the chaplain of our county jail. He's been doing that work for maybe, I don't know, eight years or so. Um, We have four kids. Our oldest, Robert, is grown and out of the house. And then we have three teenagers at home, an eighth grader, a 10th grader, and a senior in high school. So that's, you know, we're just in the thick of those teenage years. Um, and my family moved into this neighborhood in Goshen, I don't know, 10 or 11 years ago. And for us, that was, that marked just of a, a pivotal, um, change for our family. It just over, over time, it just began to kind of unravel some things, um, rebuild some things. And it really just put us on this path of wanting to understand community in a better way, wanting to understand why does it matter that we live like neighbors? Why does God seem to care so much about this? What does it all mean? And specifically, then, how do we do it? So, you know, I just published my third book, Start With Hello, and we'll talk about that today. Yes. But but before Start With Hello, I wrote Falling Free, and then I wrote The Ministry of Ordinary Places, which you referenced a moment ago. And with each of these books, I feel like I've been chasing a different question around community in particular. And so I, I you know, I, I keep finding more questions to ask and more things to say about this kind of central theme of what does it look like to to live in this world together and how do we do that well? And with Start With Hello, the question I was really chasing was that most basic, how do we do it? Tell me what to do. You know, this is the book I really wish somebody would have put in my hands when I started to really kind of dive deeper into these questions and so I wanted it to be as practical as possible and that's the way I wrote it you know with a lot of really um, storytelling is always the way I write you know I I write through the mode of storytelling and so that's still a big part of this book but I I also wanted to pack it full of really um, simple and tangible practical tips and ideas and things we can do to move ourselves forward on this path
1: And we're so grateful for practical things because I think like you talk about in the book, we overcomplicate everything. We overthink everything, whether it's how our house looks or what we're going to be serving, how to do it. And yet we all want community so badly. We all want to build these strong, deep relationships, but we actually put our own barriers up to creating it, which I just, yes, I love just the practicality of the book. One of the things you talk about that I actually have nice and underlined and in my copy here, you said, no one teaches us that community has to built with our hands Mm -hmm. and our tender hearts and our precious time. And I think it's just such a good reminder of that. We're taught so many things, how to do and all the how to's and five steps and three ways. And, but when it comes to community, we're all longing longing for it, but just that idea of how to even do it, I think is what gets in the way is that overcomplication of it. So uh, yes, I mean,
0: yeah, people are complicated. We are complicated. The time that we are in this kind of cultural moment, and this is nothing new, you know, it's been this way for, for a very long time and maybe forever, but we are feeling that complexity in a different way right now. I think we're feeling kind of, forced apart in certain ways, we're feeling divided. And we are coming, you know, out of a really interesting time of isolation. So a lot of us might be feeling a little rusty. You know, even if we feel like at some point in time we were kind of good at this. Um, now we're feeling a little rusty and unsure. And and, and I just think I think you're right. I think this is something we are all longing for, even if we haven't admitted that to ourselves. You know, I think there's just this part of us that that imagines that things could be different and wouldn't it be better if, you know, if we lived a more connected way together, but we don't know how to get there. And so we start to just tell ourselves, you know, maybe we don't need that, or maybe that's just, you know, old time and it doesn't work that way anymore. I'm here to say it, it can still work that way. And, and we are better off if we can find our way back to each other. So that's what, that's what this book is about.
1: Especially for introverts like you. Especially. And me. <laughs> yes. We need people
0: in community just as much as anybody else. It's gonna ask different things of an introvert. And and I I write a good bit about, you know, this from the lens of being an introvert because I think people like me, people like us, we can we can tell ourselves that like maybe this lets us off the hook. Maybe we don't need people in the same way. You know, we're we're trying to look for that out. Um, and I, I don't think we need an out. I think we just need to start thinking about things in a in a bit of a different way.
1: For sure. Well,
0: let's talk about the book. So okay. you talk
1: about how the book is this field guide for this life of security and camaraderie and joy. So yeah. why those three things? And let's just let's talk about that.
0: Yeah. Well, part of what I'm writing about is the idea of actually getting to know the people closest to us, our physical neighbors, the people who live near us, the people who we are rubbing shoulders with in some way on a regular basis. I tend to kind of stretch that word neighbor as far as it'll stretch. So I I kind of think, you know, community is built of a lot of different layers with a lot of different people. But one of those layers is the people immediately close to us. And when we can come to a place of Of not necessarily becoming best friends with our next door neighbors, but, but understanding that there's real value in knowing the people where we live. You know, we, we all live wherever we do for a particular reason. You know, maybe, maybe we had a choice in the matter. Maybe we really didn't, but here we are. And, and many of us, most of us then go through our lives living in a place where we don't actually know the people near us. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, we kind of pull, you know, if we're living in the suburbs, we're pulling into that, that attached garage and the door goes down and you can really go through life, um, being, being physically disconnected from each other. If we can come to a place of saying, you know, maybe there's something to this. Maybe, maybe we could just get to know faces and names of four of the people closest to us when we begin to take those really small steps, because it doesn't have to be a big complicated thing but but to be able to say I'm going to start putting some intention to this I'm going to make some moves so that when I am in my home and in my neighborhood or in my place whatever that looks like when you can have a sense of okay the people near me know me and I know them that gives us this sense of security that we're looking for you know I I think a lot of times we think of of people or strangers as kind of scary or dangerous, or, you know, we want to keep some distance when actually the opposite is true. When we actually know the people near us, that is what makes us safer. That is what makes us more secure and gives us that sense of this rootedness, this sense of belonging that when we live in, you know, when we're spending time in our home, the place where we spend most of our time, the place where we are actually living most of our lives to be able to, to feel connected and to feel a sense of belonging in that place, that's magical. I mean, that changes things. So so yeah, I think as we as we kind of move forward, move out into the world and, and try to just kind of make those loose connections, it does bring us more joy. And, and that's ultimately like, who doesn't want that, you for know?
1: Sure. <laughs> yes, please. Right. Sign me up. <laughs> Sign me up for that. Will you talk about a couple of things in the book, just some super practical, mm-hmm. calm, like almost mindset shifts a little bit of these barriers yeah. that we put up rather than like maybe shifting that to an opportunity and, and yeah. rethinking that. I'd love for you just to maybe talk a little bit about one or two of the things that you write about in your book that just begins to open those those doors between us and the people closest to us.
0: Yeah. I wrote a whole chapter specifically on the idea of welcoming people into our homes. The word that we Generally use for that is hospitality, but I find that word very fancy. <laughs> you know, <laughs> even just the word itself just sounds kind of like a big fancy word, and it builds up this pressure in us, like, oh, hospitality, that sounds kind of hard. Um, I, I haven't found a great replacement for that word, but I do think there's something to coming back to a place or even beginning for the first time to find a place where we are on a regular basis and that's going to look different for different people but where we are intentionally seeking to invite others into our spaces. And so, you know, I I knew it was important. I wrote a whole chapter about this idea of it's not so much about the perfect decor or how our house looks or how we present ourselves. It's just about that door being open and, and coming into a rhythm of saying, you know, we don't have to hide out in here and we don't have to present ourselves as more perfect than we are, more polished than we are, we can truly say, okay, this is this is who I am. This is where I live. This is how we roll here. What if we just kind of decided that we were gonna go first and, and kind of beginning this chain of togetherness where we can lower the bar and keep things as simple and ordinary as possible, kind of peel back the curtain a little bit and, and welcome people into our spaces as they are and as we are. When we can begin to do that, and it takes some courage, because I think, you know, a lot of us have been kind of um, discipled almost into this Martha Stewart way where it becomes more about entertaining each other or impressing each other. That is a barrier. You know, that's something that stands between us and the connection we're really looking for. But somebody has to go first and saying like, okay, this isn't really working. What if we just like started inviting people over a little more on the fly, bring whatever you have in your fridge or come over for popcorn after dinner, or let's just order pizza. There are so many more simple ways of doing this, of eating together, which is a really uniting thing to do. It kind of bonds us together, but without all that extra pressure. So I wrote a whole chapter on you know different ways we can think about feeding each other and different ways we can think about presenting our home in a way that feels comfortable but also feels authentic
1: to who we actually are and how we actually live which is so interesting because i feel like people find freedom in that too yeah absolutely they find freedom in not having to put themselves all together just to yes. come be together with you who's trying to you know force yourself to be all together it yes. makes me think of when my husband and i first met our very one of our very first kind of dates we went with some friends was um at an amusement park and he they all wanted to go on a roller coaster and so i just stomached myself to say sure that sounds so <laughs> great and he said sure that sounds great so we get in line and we go on this roller coaster and it wasn't until way further into our dating relationship, I don't even know if we probably were already engaged at the time, that he said, did you know that I absolutely hate roller coasters? I said, did you know that I absolutely hate roller coasters? Exactly. <laughs> I said, I never want to go on one again. And we laugh now with, with all of our kids. It's like, who's going to go on the roller coasters? But it's like, we put <laughs> ourselves together just to be able to present ourselves as, yes, I'm, yes. A, I'm a risk taker. I'll go on an adventure. And he's thinking the same thing. And yet yes. we're both hated it. We hated it. (laughs) That's such a good example
0: because it's like, it's that thing where, you know, bringing it back to this idea of home when I'm invited into somebody's space and it's just like cozy and imperfect and it might be a little messy and it might, I mean, because honestly, I'm looking around me right now. I mean, what you see is the pretty Christmas tree. What I see are piles of stuff everywhere and dishes in the sink and, you know, all these things that make up an actual life. This is how most of us are actually living. My husband tells me all the time when I get like, Oh, you know, this place is a mess. He always says, Shannon, people live here. We're living here. (laughs) So that brings with it this level of, of kind of messiness that when it comes to other people coming around, all of a sudden we have this idea that we've got to like, you know, sweep away all of the mess, all of the clutter, whatever the case may be. And then we're just reinforcing this idea that we're all living in a way that none of us are really living. So when, when I'm invited into somebody's space, it, it really feels like an honor to be welcomed in to, to understand that, you know, they're not worried about me judging them. There's a level of trust that's present there. Um, And, and like you said, it sets that bar to, okay, they're not perfect. Maybe I don't have to be perfect either. That is such a better place to form those, those connections and those friendships from a from a truer place of like, this is just life, you know, like yes. let's just live actual life together, even in the, the messes or the imperfectness that it brings.
1: Now, I love that. Like you said, li- life happens here, right? When there's a That's mess, it. it is an indication that life is happening. And so just doing life with people, when you're doing life with people, yes. real life is, is messy. And it's not super organized. Yeah. And it, it doesn't right. it doesn't look like Pinterest. And no. Martha Stewart did Martha not come into my not. house
0: and do the decorations. I mean, maybe even Martha Stewart has some messes. She doesn't want to talk about that. This is probably true. When she a has human. the picture
1: staged, I'm sure there's a bunch of other stuff just pushed into a corner for the photo
0: shoot. <laughs> come on. I mean, how amazing would it be? to see uh, the other side of that curtain, you know, like, and, and I just think that's, that's, that's how we all are. We are all, we're all living full and complicated lives. I mean, we have a lot going on and that's a good thing. That's not something that I think is bad in any way, but we're living these full busy lives with purpose. We have our reasons for the, you know, doing the things we do to be able to just, to take that pressure off of us, to be able to say, We don't have to be, you know, shining everything up in order to have connection with each other. If we can make it easier, we are so much more likely to do it and we'll do it more often. If I don't, you know, if if I want to invite you over and I can say like, oh, she gets it. She, she gets what it's like. I've been to her place when it's not perfect. You know, if we can begin to kind of build this rhythm of like, just come on in. You know, we're going to clear some space on the table (laughs) and we're going to serve something really simple and basic because we want this to be easy. We want it to be easy because we know it's important. And if it's not easy, we're just not going to do it enough. So we've got to find ways to make it easier and more accessible and more of a rhythm that we can fall into.
1: For sure. Which you talk about, like I said, a lot of those practical things in the book that just removes some of that that stress or the pressure off and just allows mm. us just to, to find freedom and just starting with hello, right? That's it. <laughs> just say hi. Don't yeah. pretend that your phone's ringing when you're walking down the street with your neighbors, right? <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, my phone, my dog, a... my kid. Yes. You know, it's like just so look relatable. up and make eye contact with someone and just just start with hello, right? And it's just like yeah. as basic as... As the title, but you give so many other amazing just stories and, and examples in the book. And so you you just mentioned a little bit ago that each journey of writing these books was answering a big question. Mm-hmm. Was there a question um in Falling Free or Ministry of Ordinary Places? Like what are maybe what one of those yeah. questions that you were answering in that journey?
0: Yeah. For for my first book, Falling Free, I was really kind of chasing the question of why does this matter? You know why? Why does it matter for us to, you know, it, it it followed my family's journey at that time of selling what we considered to be our dream house, where we thought we would live forever, and and in that process, it really kind of pulled us out of this sort of homogenous bubble that we were living under. Where where everybody up to that point around us really kind of looked and lived and believed as we did. And so we were experiencing a certain kind of community, but we started to understand there was more to it. We, we started to understand that we were just missing out on, um, you know, being in, in friendship and in relationship with people who, who looked and lived and believed differently than we did. And so that question of like, why does it matter to, to really, to, to get out of the bubble, to see difference, to celebrate difference. Why does that matter with the ministry of ordinary places? I was really kind of chasing the question of, okay, who is my neighbor? Um, You know, that, that reflects on that story from the good Samaritan where we're, we're trying to look at like, what does it mean to be a neighbor? What does that look like? And then again, with start with hello, the question of, okay, so now we understand that it matters and we understand better kind of who our neighbor is and particularly a neighbor who, whose life looks differently than our life might look. And so how do we do it? Like, how do we actually, what are the nuts and bolts and the spoons and forks of, of bringing us together? Because you're right. I mean, any relationship we have, any relationship we have started very ground level with a simple hello. That's just where they all began. Um I in the dedication to start with hello, I dedicate it to my kids and I say, you know, I forget exactly how I worded it, but you were my favorite first hello. You know, even those those closest relationships to us start with that moment of recognition. And so it, you know, it's pretty cool to think about if we can start to just orient our lives So that we're not always looking inward. We're not always focused on, you know, what's happening under my roof, but we're starting to just kind of turn ourselves a little more outward and saying, okay, it matters in some way that I live in this place at this time. And these other people also live in the same place at the same time. What if I just started being a little more aware and available it doesn't mean that that anything in particular has to change about our life overnight because this is about this slow work. But if we can start to, like you said, just put enough intention that we are making eye contact and then we're saying, hi, we're learning names. We can let this work be slow and trust that every single bit of it counts and that every single bit of it is is moving us forward in in a life of connection where some of those hellos will over time build up into something bigger. And that's, what's really cool. And that's a lot of the stories that I'm writing about and start with hello. It doesn't mean that ever, you know, I'm still an introvert. I just am. <laughs> it doesn't mean that I'm out here in the world, like, you know, doing the song and dance and trying to be best friends with everybody that I'm not interested in that, but I am interested in and, and being really intentional about when there's an opportunity to get to know somebody near me. I want to be available to that. I want to be ready for that in some way. And, and my life now, you know, 11 years into to this practice, I guess you could say, this life in this neighborhood, it has really borne some really beautiful fruit where some of those hellos have turned into more significant relationships. And that is just, it's a beautiful thing. And it's, it's a big, important part of my life. And it's something I don't want other people to miss out
1: on. That's so beautiful. And even just cultivating that over time, yeah,
0: those relationships, it, it was, time. they were
1: not one big party you had at your house no. and you invited everybody in and everything. Looked no, that amazing. Sounds terrifying it was... to me. <laughs> It was a, hello, how was your holiday? You know, it's just these little tiny things along the way and and starting to see them in different places. And, oh, that's so good. No, I I love that. And even just hearing like the evolution of the the books, right? Those questions that you're answering, which I think is so profound. I think for a lot of us, we live in a very homogenous setting where right. everybody looks That's and feels it. and does. And so when you step out of that, there's so much richness, yes. and and fruit and depth and roots. And I mean all of the all of that that yeah that grows through that. But I think for yeah. a lot of people, it's a scary place where all that you knew yes. was all that you were surrounded with, and all of a sudden you're not, and it feels yeah. like you're flailing. And yes. I think that can be. Really scary, but to be able yeah. to have people like you who go and put, okay, you're not flailing; <laughs> it's going to be okay. Right. This is good. Yeah, not easy necessarily, but good, and can be even better.
0: Yeah, like we don't yeah. have to be afraid. We and and so much of what I'm doing in this book is encouraging. We don't have to be afraid. We can be curious, yes. and if we can let ourselves be curious about our own selves, but then about the the world around us like the world actually around us the people actually around us if we can start to listen a little bit better and and find ourselves a little more open that's where compassion grows and empathy grows and like you said i mean that that's what puts us in in this place of real actual abundance we talk about the abundant life but if we are if we are living in such a way that we are only connected to people whose lives are mirror our own, we are missing out on some layers, some important layers of abundance. Um, and so, I, you know, I just, I look back and and nobody ever, ever told me to be afraid of this, but I still kind of was, you know, I think we just absorb from the atmosphere around us that, you know, we're kind of hardwired to stick with what's comfortable and what's familiar. And if we can just continue to kind of nudge ourselves out of our comfort zone, that's where we encounter real abundance, and that's what makes life just better and richer and and more delicious, literally. And so, in yes. some ways, you know, I write <laughs> a lot about food and start with hello because that's just food is such a powerful connector of people. And and my neighbors have taught me so well how to feed each other. You know. It, anything I know about living as a neighbor, I have learned from my actual neighbors. I am the lucky one here. That's and so, so I just, sweet. I I want to keep, I want to keep kind of, you know, singing this song because it, it just, it's, it's a beautiful one. Love that.
1: Well, it's kind of my next question was like, what do you wish you would have known sooner? But it sounds like maybe that, is there anything else you feel like as a mom, yeah. as a writer, as a neighbor, as a friend of people? I mean was there just something you wish you could just go back and say don't be afraid yeah. of this
0: or <laughs> yeah absolutely i mean
1: one
0: there are so many i mean those are the those are the questions that kind of shape this book but i would say one of the lessons that i have learned over time that has served me so well and i've learned it again from the people around me they they taught me this was that it's it's a better truer place to be if we can If we can live from the posture of need, you know, and it makes it, it's, it's not a comfortable thing. We're taught to be independent and to solve our own problems, (laughs) self-sufficient, yes, confident, all these things. But if we can, if we can kind of ground ourselves in some of that humility of like, oh, you know, we, we were built, we were actually made to need each other. Um, to know each other, but, but even to need each other, like that's how we were created. So if we can find ways to get back to that, to say, you know, we don't, we don't get to be the one who solves other people's problems all the time, or who saves the day in some way, every time that's, that's a fun thing to do. But, but we all want that. And so if, if we're going to actually live as neighbors, it means that we can, that we can be the ones helping, but we also need to be the ones receiving, you know, we can be the ones inviting others into our home, but also we can be the ones saying yes to those invitations. Um, So, so for me, like coming to understand this idea of interdependence, that that's a better way to be um, even in my faith. I mean, even, you know, in my family and in all of my relationships, if we can stop kind of, you know, if we can kind of, abandon this idea that we have to be self-sufficient all the time and just start asking for help when we need it in really small, simple ways, or just kind of being more honest about areas of our life that are, um, imperfect or, you know, even just emotional needs that we might have, if we can become more comfortable and it, it takes practice, but if we can get ourselves there, that is the most fertile ground for building true and lasting connections and community. And that's what creates the village. It does. Yeah. We, you know, I, I kind of live by this mantra now that, that I did not, I did not write these words. I saw them, um, attributed to no one on a little piece of, of copy paper taped to a wall, but it said, ask for what you need, offer what you can. I don't know who actually wrote those words. (laughs) Um, they are, they are simple, but they are very profound. That's what it looks like to live as neighbors is that we take turns. We take turns asking for what we need and we take turns offering what we can. And we're, we're going to need different things and we're going to have different things to offer, but that's kind of the, the give and take and the, the push and pull of community. And, and that's where, that's where life gets really interesting and really tender and really good.
1: I love that. And just like the richness that comes from from that place. Yeah. It's amazing what one little sticky or whatever I know. <laughs> wherever you saw it, you just, you have no idea the impact that whoever wrote that in the coffee shop one day when they were reading some book and right. just stuck it to a wall or wherever you saw it. Like, yes. who, who knew the impact that, that that could have on, yeah. on so much of just your thoughts or your writing or your inspiration yep. that you kind of go back to. Yeah, that's it.
0: I mean, it, it, and it just, I love it so beautifully recenters our idea of of receiving, you know, not just giving, but receiving. Like we have to find ways to do both. We just have to.
1: And that's hard. Mm-hmm. That can be really hard for a lot of people. Yep. In some of the work that I, I did um in my previous corporate life, we used to train this sounds crazy, but we would actually train people when they received a compliment to say thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yes. That's but it, so it's true. so hard for us to even receive words or yes. to receive anything. We we don't right. we don't want to necessarily be the, the recipients of something or or feel those feelings. And so we we deflect it, but just that's allowing it. ourselves to receive learning and lessons and yeah and just sweetness that that lives all around us.
0: Yeah. We all want to be, we all want to be generous in that way. But but if we're not willing to receive it then it's taking opportunity from the people around us to to be generous in those very ways you yes. know like it's it, and and it sets the the playing field for lack of a better analogy right now but it it just kind of sets things a little off kilter you know if if we always want to be the one deflecting or you know deferring or oh no 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 i'm i'm good you know i talked to a woman recently who said She, she got to know an important person in her life because one day she was juggling babies and groceries and, you know, all those things. And this older gentleman said, do you need some help? And she said, yes. And they now have this sweet friendship. You know, he's a lot older than her, but he lives in her neighborhood. And, and, you know, she was so grateful that he, you know, went out of his comfort zone and offered help. But I was saying to her. What good you did you. was just as big of a deal because we all know that impulse to be like, oh no, 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 I'm good. Thanks, but I've got it. That's what that's what our knee-jerk reaction often is. And if she had said, oh, thanks anyway, but I'm fine, that would have been kind of the end, at least for that moment. That would not have that would not have opened that door wider. It would have closed it a little bit. So yeah, I was just so proud of her for saying like, what a yes. great example. Oh. Yes,
1: <laughs> yes. And just like you said, not having that pride of, I got this, but to say, right. you know what? Sure. And inviting, right. inviting someone into that moment that turned, I mean, you're giving somebody an opportunity to give, to serve, to, to
0: save the day, to yes. save
1: the day. <laughs> yep. Oh, that's, that's so great. Um, well, I want to kind of end with um, just hearing your take on on success as you've answered yeah. some of these really big questions and talked to so many people and engage with the people mm-hmm. around you. And I'm sure this has evolved. True, as just being a mom too, the things right. that you're pursuing or or believing or thinking. Um, how do you pursue, or what are kind of your thoughts around a successful life? Mm-hmm.
0: We we talk about this a lot um, in our home and in my marriage with my husband's work, with Corey's work as the chaplain of a jail, you know, he's, he's encountering questions about, you know, but recidivism, which is a big word that means people keep often coming back to the jail. And so is that, does that mean things are failing? Does that mean this is success or failure? You know, the neighborhood I live in is a under-resourced, under-appreciated neighborhood where a lot of people suffering in ways that I have not necessarily suffered, you know, they're, they're up against hard things that I, that I have not been up against. But so it, it just leads to these conversations of like, what is success and and what is our role here? And how are we going to frame this? Um, a lot of the way we have come to see this, I would say has been shaped. I want to give credit here to father Boyle, father Greg Boyle. He wrote a book called tattoos on the heart that I think really captivated us early on. And we've really kind of latched on to um, his ideas around this. And so I've, I've written about this. Corey talks about this too. We have come to see success primarily about faithfulness. So it's not so much about like data points or it's not about numbers or a particular outcome in any way. And I would say, you know, even in parenting, we were, we're taught to, To reach for these certain outcomes when I would say we have much less power over many of these things than we like to pretend that we do. And so if we can, if we can remove our focus from different outcomes and just say, okay, success looks like me being faithful in this in this space, in this role as a mom, as a neighbor, for Corey, you know, as a chaplain, for for men and women coming out of jail and trying to rebuild, like what does success look like for all of us? It looks like our particular faithfulness that we are going to um, find ways to endure. We're going to rest so that we can be, you know, equipped for whatever's ahead of us. We're going to keep showing up. We are going to find ways to, to keep discovering hope. We're going to keep paying attention to our physical world every day. We're going to notice the sky and its beauty and we're just going to do it every day, every day, every day, because we understand that, that staying hopeful and staying tender is really important to this long road. So yeah, I come back again and again, success looks like staying faithful, staying the course. I write in the Ministry of Ordinary Places, it's a love song for the long haul. We've got to find a way to write a love song for our life that extends for the long haul for the whole journey. And that's all about faithfulness, just staying true, even even as things change around us, even as we change in some ways. I mean, I think if we're not changing in some ways, we're not growing. So it's not about being stagnant, but just being steady and staying the course.
1: What a great definition. just faithfulness, awareness, and yeah. just to the here and the now. And I love that. Just thought of writing that, that love song for the long haul. Yeah. What a beautiful, just visual that, that, that leaves. So, well, thank you for inviting us into your definition and your pursuits. Yeah. Cause I think that that encourages all of us to just kind of reset as we've just begin a new year That's and thinking it. about what am I, what am I pursuing? What am I cultivating? What am I engaging and aware of in the world around me?
0: Wherever wherever you are, um, no matter what your neighborhood looks like, no matter what you, your life looks like, you can decide that today is day one. You know, today's the day that I just want to be a little more intentional. Today's the day that I want to believe that it matters that I'm in this place of these people right now. And I want to figure out why it matters. You know, this can be day one. It doesn't have to mean taking this book, start with hello and doing every single thing from this book, but it might mean taking that one little thing that clicks with you and just saying, okay, this is where I'm going to start. I mean, that's why, you know, I end every chapter with a really simple practice and I wanted it to be so simple and so basic because that's what, that's what builds a life. That's what builds a life of connection. So it doesn't mean, it doesn't mean like re, rewiring your whole life. It just means taking that one little step today.
1: Building blocks of the basics build something really big and great over That's time. That's it. You got so it. So wonderful. Well, this has been such a treat to get to spend time yes, talking with you today. I loved it. We talked about your three books, but just share where people can follow along on social media and anywhere else.
0: Yeah. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Writes. And then you can also find anything having to do with, with what I'm up to on my website, shannonmartin.com. And in particular, sign up for my email list. Um, I'm, I'm very, we have, we have an engaged community there. Um, that that's just the best place to kind of keep up with me. And then also on my website, I have to say is my famous pickle recipe. I love this. (laughs) Like out here in left field, somehow my pickles became very famous. And so if you are a pickle person, (laughs) this is a no cook pickle recipe. It has like taken the world by storm. You can find all of this Uh, on my website. Why why not?
1: (laughs) Bugs, pickles, encouragement.
0: We are complicated people, right?
1: (laughs) Oh, well, thank you for just teaching us what community is all about and just reminding us to to be the, the people. Be the people. If yes. you're looking for a community, yep. Just go it first. can be built. Yes, just yep. go first. You go first and let those building blocks be built uh, one at a time. So thank you for your encouraging words. Thank you for being here. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed this conversation with Shannon. So many truths and takeaways in this conversation. So before we go, I want to leave you with a couple in case you missed any of them. Number one, most of us go through life not really knowing the people who live near us, and yet there's real value in knowing the people where we live. Just let that sink in for a second. Number two, perhaps that sense of security, belonging, and community that we're looking for is in our own backyard. Number three, love this quote from Shannon. She says, It's not so much about the perfect decor or how our house looks or how we present ourselves, it's just about that door being open. Number four, make it a rhythm you can actually fall into take that pressure off that you don't have to have everything all shined up as shannon says in order to have connection with each other she says if we can make it easier we're much more likely to invite others in to engage in community more often number five we can let the work be slow and trust that every bit of it counts moving us forward into a life of greater joy and greater connection number six ask for what you need Offer what you can. Perhaps we might find that greater abundance in our life if we go back to what we were created to need, right? Each other. Number seven, write a love song for the long haul. Be faithful and steady in staying the course. And lastly, say hello, invite someone over, whatever that small step might be, but you go first. Thanks for tuning in to today's episode. If you haven't already, would love for you to take a few quick seconds to leave a review, especially if you listen on Apple Podcast. You can scroll down to the bottom of the podcast and there's a spot where you can write a review, click on a few stars, That's actually what helps this conversation and so many others like this get shared with people like me, like you, so we can continue to build this community together and not walk through it alone. So thanks for tuning in and don't forget to share this episode with a friend or subscribe because I've got lots of incredible guests joining me in the next couple of weeks. So until next time.